I'm doing all in, and I know many of you are doing all in, which is our Read Through the Bible in a Year initiative, and it's, it's been great. Uh, for the most part, I've been doing the listening to it on the way to work, take my son to school, drop him off at Pierce High School, then I drive to work, more than enough time to listen to one. Sometimes I can get two days in doing that. Well, this morning, I find out, since I'm right on target, I've just finished Sunday's reading this morning. I am, a, it's pretty cool, the, the, the app like tells you your progress. I am 27% of the way through the entire Bible. So if you are on target today, if you are up to date, you are over a quarter of the way through the entire Bible, and wow, it seems like we just started. So if you're a little behind, no problem. There's plenty of time to catch back up. Or if, if you haven't even started and you want to, you could start on today's reading and just stay with us through the rest of the year and then finish out next year. That would be fine. But I hope that you are with us on it. Um, a member shared Jennifer Morse this week, a verse image from one of the readings this week. And I loved it because it speaks to what we're going to be talking about this morning. This verse image that she created is from Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 19. Cursed is anyone who denies justice to who? To foreigners, to orphans, or widows. And the people will reply, Amen. God has a heart for people on the margins, people on the fringe, people who, as we're going to be working with this weekend, people who don't have access to many of the things that we have access to. He has a heart for them. He wants his people to join him in that. Now, this morning, I need you to use your imagination. I want you to imagine waking up in Dallas, Texas tomorrow morning, and by all appearances, things are exactly as they are now. Everything looks exactly the same, but there's something a little bit off as you find as the day goes on. While everything looks the same, it seems like this version of Dallas is in some sort of parallel universe. In this version of Dallas, Texas, mechanics will only accept cars into their garage if those cars are in perfect working order. The optometrist will only make an appointment with you if you have 20-20 vision. The dentist will only have you say, ah, if your teeth are perfect, if there are no cavities, if there are no problems. The ER will only admit people who don't have a fever, who aren't bleeding, who aren't injured or sick in any way. This is the version of Dallas you find yourself in, and I would think you would say, this is very weird. This must be some, like, sci-fi movie version of Dallas or something like that. Well, this kind of universe wasn't hard at all to imagine if you lived in Israel in the first century because really this was the universe according to the Pharisees. Their reality centered around purity. Purity mattered most. Dedication to God and to the things of God mattered more than anything else. And it meant that people with a colored past, people 
who didn't know the rules or didn't know Scripture very well or people to whom their group was deemed unacceptable, they could not have access to God. They were not welcome in God's house. People with problems, people with addictions, people with hang-ups, people living in the shadows of sin, they were not welcome in God's presence or for the Pharisees and religious leaders today, in their presence. Their vision, of course, you're probably ahead of me here, their vision, their world, this was not the vision of Jesus, right? This is not what we see Jesus doing in the Gospels or not how we see him interacting with people in his life and ministry. In the world of the Pharisees, in the world of the religious leaders, there was no place in God's kingdom for Levi or someone like Levi who we encounter in Luke chapter 5. We might know Levi better as Matthew, okay? Well, Matthew, Levi knew what it was like to live on the outside of this protected bubble, to not be welcome in the circles of the religious leaders of his day. At some point in his life, in his earlier years, Levi had made a fateful choice. He was presented with an amazing opportunity, and as you know, when one door swings open, to walk through that door, other doors will slam shut. And he had this amazing opportunity, and he knew if he took it, a lot of other doors would slam shut. This was the opportunity to be a tax collector in Galilee, to work with the Roman government in the collection of taxes appropriate enough this week. I hope you have your taxes done or have filed an extension or are ready to, okay? April 15th is coming. Now, everyone, this is very important, okay? Everyone, and I mean everyone, underscore, everyone who worked as a tax collector for the Roman government was wealthy, okay? Very wealthy. Now, here's the way the system worked. The Romans would, they did not have an IRS, okay? They would farm out the collection of taxes to individuals or to companies who would be assigned um, geographic areas or who would, better yet, they would bid on those areas, make a proposal to the Roman government, and the Roman government would select who would collect collect taxes for that region. Um, If you had the winning bid, then it was up to you. You were responsible to, to get those taxes collected to bring them to the Roman authority in that area. If you were a tax collector... Rome would give you a number. They would give you an amount, okay? And all you needed to do to be okay with the Romans was to show up with that amount, okay? We believe this region, Galilee, or we believe this region, region Asia Minor, or we believe this other region, Egypt, we, we believe these, this region is worth this much in taxes. You need to, to, to gather this much in taxes. That was your job. That was what you would be judged on. Anything, and you probably heard this part, anything you raised above that amount, um, above that revenue requirement that Rome had set for you, it was yours, okay? That was your salary. That was your profit. Uh, It was yours free and clear. So it was good to be a tax collector for Rome. It really was. Financially, one of the easiest ways you could make a fortune. 
Every farmer who harvested a field owed taxes to Rome. Every fisherman that pulled in a net full of fish owed a percentage to Rome. Every individual. And if you didn't pay, if you didn't pay what you owed, well, Levi and people like him, Zacchaeus and others, they had the full backing of the Roman government, meaning the Roman army, okay, to make you pay what you owed. Or you could be arrested, or you could be flogged, or worse. So Levi was rich. That's what you need to know when we come to Luke chapter 5. By the way, Luke lets us know this. This isn't just me telling you this. Luke lets us know in three ways that Levi was rich. Number one, Luke tells us he was a tax collector. We already talked about that. Tax collectors were rich by definition, okay? Number two, uh, Luke tells us he had a very large house, okay? He had a mansion. He was able to host large crowds of people at his house, okay? And number three, Luke tells us he had enough money to put on huge parties, okay? He could afford to feed lots of people, to provide drink for lots of people, so he was rich. Back to his fateful choice, Levi's fateful choice. Get rich. I mean, this is the choice. You can see it already materializing. Get rich and be hated by just about everybody or be poor and be everybody's friend. Now, you can see the logic, right? You can see. You may not think it's right, but you can certainly understand why someone like Levi would make the choice he made. I'll take choice A. I'm going to be loaded. Most people aren't going to like me, but who cares? I'm going to be loaded. So not only did tax collectors, without exception, take more than they were supposed to. That's how they got paid. Um, Not only did they take the crops and take the fish and take garments that were woven and and money uh, that was generated off any and every transaction in town. Not only did they pry money away from rich people and, and poor people, they did it, right? They did it for Rome. They did it for the enemy. They did it for the hated occupiers of God's promised land. They were working for the devil, right? They were working for Emperor Octavian, better known to us as Augustus. So tax collectors, okay, fill in the blank here. They're loathed, right? They are loathed by the general public. People hated Levi unless they were like Levi unless they were also in this group of the despised the loathed unless they were also outcasts and outsiders so from the general public Levi was used to being treated like the enemy after all he worked for Rome pretty much everyone around Galilee not only hated him in general but hated him for very specific and personal reasons he had taken money Everybody pretty much that he saw, he had taken money that they needed to pay their bills, to feed their kids, to provide clothing for their family. So everyone pretty much had a personal reason not to like him. And, of course, insult to injury, they saw the lavish way that he lived. They, they heard about the lavish parties that he threw. Um, so people generally, well, they wished him ill. They did. Um, They stayed away from him as much as possible. He was certainly not welcome 
in their homes and would not be included in their circle of friends. Then there were the Pharisees and the religious leaders. They took this loathing to the next level. To them, Levi was the lowest form of scum. He was the least pure on this scale of purity. He was the least acceptable possible person to God. He was the least morally and spiritually upright person they could imagine. And so he was the person they would most want to avoid to avoid being contaminated. In their world, religion was for the good people. The righteous people, folks much like themselves. And then Jesus showed up. And we remember last week, same chapter, chapter 5, just a little earlier, so maybe a day or two before the events we're going to read about this morning, Jesus was in Capernaum. Remember, he heals the, the paralytic. That's not the problem. The problem is he pronounces, my friend, your sins are forgiven. So already the religious elite in Galilee have big problems with Jesus because for them, only God can forgive sins. That was blasphemy. Okay. So Jesus is very much on their radar. Well, he's not going to do anything to make them like him anymore here in the next episode from Luke chapter 5, verse 27. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors, business partners and associates, and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? Verse 31. Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners and need to repent. Hard to argue with that. Healthy people don't need to go to the ER, don't need a hospital stay. That's where sick people go. People who think they are super spiritual, who consider themselves to be very righteous, well, they are less interested in a relationship with God and more interested interested in preserving their rules, in preserving the, 
the sanctity of their, of their bubble, um, the sinners, people like Levi, people like Levi's friends, well, they're the ones who desperately need grace. They know their lives are messed up. Um, they know they need forgiveness. Uh, they need that fresh start that only the Lord can offer them. So, let's just work through this, that little text we read, this transformation that occurs in that text. Um, we'll call this the three stages, right, of Levi's transformation. Stage one, Levi was a pariah. He was a persona non grata in Galilee. He was viewed by most everyone as a greedy sellout. And this is what you might expect to hear at this point. Everyone was wrong. He was really a, a great, decent, wonderful person. But the reality is, he really was a sellout. He, really, he made that choice. It's who he was. You didn't get into the tax collection business if you were a philanthropist. You didn't get into that racket if you were a habitual do-gooder. You got into it for the Benjamins or maybe the Octavians back then, whoever was on the money at that point. You could make boatloads of cash in Levi's business by mercilessly exploiting everyone, the rich, the poor. So he really was, I mean, he really was a betrayer of his people. Then, as Jesus is headed out of town, there he is at his tax office, at his tax booth. Jesus sees him. Let that sink in for a second. Jesus sees him because... You know, the rabbis and the Pharisees and the religious teachers, all the respectable people, they didn't see Levi. I mean, they would avoid Levi. They would try not to make eye contact with Levi. They would look away. Luke says Jesus saw him. Not only that, Jesus talks to him. Not only that, Jesus says, hey, why don't you come follow me? Welcome to my ministry. You can be one of my disciples. Guess what? Levi got up, left his lucrative tax business, and followed Jesus. Now, I don't have an answer to this question. It's just one that's kind of interesting to think about. Why? I, I, since I was a kid, I was like, how did that happen? Jesus walks up, come follow me. Levi just gets up and follows him. What? I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Levi was just so shocked that somebody like Jesus was talking to him that he just kind of instinctually popped up and started following this guy. Maybe he felt something tangibly when Jesus, the Son of God, spoke to him. Maybe he could feel heaven and earth moving inside of him, his world quaking, and he got up and responded. Maybe he had been encumbered by, bothered by the fateful choice he made so many years before. He had thought about that over and over. He had dreams about that um, and felt trapped in that choice that he had made, and this was finally his chance to not be a pariah anymore. Here's what, here's what we know. This is all that we know. This is what Luke tells us. 
It is, he got up, he followed Jesus. That's what he did. So he was a pariah. Stage two, a person. I mean, Jesus treats him like a person. Jesus sees him. Jesus has a conversation with him. Jesus accepts an invitation over to his house. While, the most, while most people despise Levi, Jesus saw him as someone who mattered and someone who had, frankly, enormous potential. Jesus saw something in this guy. Um, for the Pharisees, a pariah. For Jesus, he was a person who mattered. And so he found forgiveness. He found his second chance. He found joy. He found real joy. Not guilty joy. Real joy. For the first time in a long time. But while Jesus, you know this, while Jesus always loves us, where he finds us, he never leaves us where he finds us. Jesus had big plans for this guy. Spoiler alert, of course, you know this. He became one of Jesus' very closest friends over the next three years, more or less. One of Jesus' very closest friends became one of the 12 disciples, became, of course, the author of the first book in the New Testament, the first gospel. And maybe... This is all you need to hear this morning. Maybe this is the, the most important thing for you to hear. Why you're here this morning, it is just for you to be reminded, when Jesus called you, Jesus did not make a mistake. Jesus did not make a mistake. He knew you. He loved you. And he had big plans for you. And he still does. So stage three, and this is interesting, just in this short section of text, we have all of these, pariah to person, to a partner. He becomes a partner in this kingdom ministry of Jesus. Levi was invited to be an agent of grace, helping others to experience forgiveness, hope, and transformation. And what a beautiful partnership it was from day one. Levi didn't waste any time, did he? He didn't know much about the Bible. He didn't know anything about ministering to people. He, he couldn't teach a seminar on evangelism, on bringing people to Christ or anything like that. He did what he knew how to do. What was that? Throw a party and invite a bunch of people. That's what he knew how to do, and so he did that for Jesus. So his big home was packed with his friends, people like him, people who were pretty much the refuse of Galilean society, other tax collectors and associates of theirs, and a host of others who had pretty bad reputations. Good upstanding folks were not invited to this party. Why? Because Levi didn't know any of those kinds of people. These are the only friends he's got. So they're the invitees. Now they're on the fringe, maybe outside on the street somewhere or out in the courtyard somewhere. You do have the Pharisees. You do have the teachers law because they, they're keeping an eye on Jesus. After this old blasphemy thing a day or two earlier, they're keeping an eye on Jesus. Now, it was bad enough for them. It was bad enough that Jesus stopped and talked to Levi. The fact that Jesus would be entertained as the guest of honor at this party in Levi's house was unconscionable, repulsive to them. And so you remember they complain to some of the disciples out there. 
verses 31 and 32. Jesus heard about it and he spoke up. Who needs a doctor? The healthy or the sick? <laughs> I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders. An invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. The gospel. This is the gospel. Mercy for the messy. A blessing for the beaten down. Salvation for sinners like Levi, like us. The religious insiders, they had big problems with Jesus that were only snowballing and getting bigger here. They desired with all of their being to be separate from people like Levi, separate from the evil of the world, separate from the darkness of the world, separate from the Romans, separate from broken people, separate in their minds so that they could be separate for God. It all made sense. This was their world. That's what they wanted. And so now this is where things get tricky for me, and maybe they get a little tricky for us, because honestly... You know, I've been going to church for years. I've been since I was a baby, right? Since my mom could take me to church. I don't know how old I was. A week or two old, I've been going to church. And I'd like to think, I'd like to think that I'm becoming more like Jesus and less like those Pharisees. But I wonder, and this is what I ask myself as I read this story, as I encounter this story, I wonder, would I have been comfortable accepting that invitation to that party at Levi's house. There are going to be people there who've had a little too much. There are going to be people there who are plastered. There are going to be people there talking in ways I'm not comfortable talking using words I would not use, telling jokes I would not tell. Would I be comfortable taking up that invitation and showing up, here I am, I'm here for the party, or would I be one of those maybe on the outside? Even if I went, I'm sitting on the outside, inspecting and making observations to others who are like me, Sarcastic comments, I don't know. I just think about that. And I think it's a good question to ask. I do. Because, um, after all, we are all sinners. That's really the subtext of this story, isn't it? We are all in the same boat. Your drug of choice may be, like the Pharisees, maintain my reputation at all costs. Have other people respect and admire me. That's your drug of choice. Your drug of choice could be um, greed. I'll do anything to get a few extra bucks, to get a little bit ahead financially. You're, it, whatever. Everybody's got their struggle. The thing is, we are all sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Levi and his group of friends, they needed saving. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, their group, they needed saving. We're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. So Jesus made friends with people like Levi, people like Zacchaeus, 
People like Mary Magdalene. People, he's, he's always talking to people like the Samaritan woman at the well who is this promiscuous lady who's just been shacking up with guy and after guy after guy after guy. Um, and he's always telling these people, you matter to me. Instead of wagging his finger and saying, you're a bad person, you're forgiven. You matter. Now come follow me. Be my witness. So let's finish up this morning by thinking, what is Jesus up to here? What's going on? What does this have to say about evangelism? And I'm going to call this outside-the-box evangelism because I think that's what Jesus modeled for us. The other side of that would be inside-the-box uh, non-evangelism or anti-evangelism, which is thinking, like in the world of the Pharisees and the religious teachers, um, that God is for the good. God belongs to the good people. Outside the box understands that the church is not a, a mausoleum for saints. It is a hospital for sinners. So, remember how Jesus, he just walks up to that tax booth, starts a conversation with Levi, didn't wait, right? Didn't wait for Levi to show up at church. Hey, why don't you come by the Shabbat services over at the synagogue this Saturday? Well, I'll, I'll be teaching there. He knew Levi wasn't going to show up there. Why would Levi show up there where everybody hates him? They might not even let him in. He wasn't waiting for Levi to show up at the Shabbat services. He met him where he was, and Jesus made the first move. That's outside-the-box evangelism. So on your outline, number one there on outside-the-box evangelism, it makes the first move. It makes the first move. Verse 27. Jesus went out. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector and said, follow me. Jesus goes out. Jesus sees. Jesus engages in conversation. You want to know why Jesus is so popular with the tax collector crowd? Uh, with the... They knew he wanted to spend time with them. I mean, Jesus would even invite himself over sometimes. Zacchaeus, hey, I'm coming to your house for lunch today, Zacchaeus. I'm going to hang out with you today. He would intentionally hang out with folks who wouldn't have normally crossed paths with him. Okay? I'd be willing to bet that Levi had never invited uh, a rabbi over to one of his parties before. Um, so Jesus, he starts these conversations, he extends grace, he offered a hand of friendship, and sinners absolutely loved him for it. He made the first move. Also, and this one is a big one, Jesus met people where they were, okay? He met them where they were, and that was not and is not always an easy thing to do. So number two, outside the box evangel evangelism gives up home court advantage, right? It is willing to seed home court advantage. Verse 29, Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. That is, Levi's house. Those are 
Levi's friends there at that party, and it is his party. And Jesus was okay with that because he was more than willing to hang out at a place where Levi and Levi's group was comfortable. Okay. And I guess you could go even deeper on this idea of home court advantage. Isn't that what the incarnation is all about? Isn't that what Christmas, really, when you think about it, is all about? Jesus leaves heaven, leaves the presence of the Father, angelic beings, where everything really is perfect. And he's born into this stable, this manger, born into our world, full of people like us. From the beginning, Jesus was was surrendering home court advantage, wasn't he? What Jesus did to help people repent, it was not manipulative. He wasn't strong-arming them. He wasn't verbally um, twisting things around so he could convince them to become followers. He didn't see um, them as enemies Um, who he needed to plot and scheme to bring over to his camp, he was himself Jesus. And he actually liked lost people. He enjoyed their company. And they could tell, you can tell when someone enjoys your company, can't you? And they could tell he enjoyed spending time with them. And that, my friends, is how you get a reputation like Jesus got with the religious elite. He had a reputation um, because he spent a lot of time with those kind of folks. Number three, Jesus, uh, we're outside the box evangelism. Jesus, as well, uh, likes people who religious insiders loathe. (laughs) You know, I wish the Bible would have given us some concrete examples of how Jesus reacted to someone who was a little bit wasted at this party at Levi's house. I would love to see how Jesus reacted to that. How Jesus reacted when someone told a kind of a coarse, off-color joke there at Levi's house. I'd like to just be able to see how he reacted or how Jesus did any number of things that would have made the respectable religious folks of his day uncomfortable. I would love to get a glimpse of how Jesus reacted to that. When Jesus, this is what we do see, when Jesus was around Levi and people like Levi, he was comfortable being himself. He genuinely liked them. He offered kindness. He offers conversation. He offers the hand of friendship to these folks. And Jesus, just if you open the Gospels and just start reading through, Jesus' list of encounters with the wrong sort of people is long, right? I mean, lepers and loners, people caught in adultery, the demon-possessed, the tax collectors, the Roman soldiers, the promiscuous women. If hanging out, look, if hanging out with sinners was like this infectious disease, if it contaminated you, if that made you impure then Jesus was one of the most impure people to ever live, right? Because he was always around those people. So here's what we're talking about this morning as a church family. If we're going to meet people who are far from God, 
then we're going to have to find ways to meet them where they are. This Saturday might be a good chance to, to take some initiative. You'll certainly be seating home court advantage for most of us if you, go to, if you go to Hamilton Park this weekend and help out. It's an opportunity. We're going to have to meet people where they are. Now, seriously, um, we're not talking... Look, we're not talking about, let's be clear, immersing yourself in drunkenness. We're not talking about, well, I guess I've got to develop a gambling addiction. We're not talking about, you know, starting to hang out at strip clubs. That's not what we are talking about here, okay? What we're talking about is being like Jesus, is doing this kind of stuff that we see in Luke chapter 5. What we're ta- it's really that simple. And it, it's looking for ways to connect, to, to meet people where they are, to love them, to befriend them, to have coffee and conversation with them, to help them experience the grace that we have experienced from the Lord. That's what we're talking about. So let's um, think about this. Levi, his future on this day was unlocked. It was unlocked because Jesus didn't ignore him. It was unlocked because Jesus didn't take the long way around. It was unlocked because... Jesus didn't push him away. It was unlocked because Jesus invited himself into Levi's life. And this morning, if you're seeking, if you're here this morning and you want to know Jesus better, you want to have an encounter with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. A couple ways you can do that here. One would be just uh, check out one of the connections that's going to happen right now after this worship service, 945. Check out one of the connections. You can find out more about those at the Welcome Center. Those are places where you'll get to know us better, where you'll get to know more about this Jesus that we've been talking about this morning. Check out one of our small groups that are in homes all over the city in a neighborhood near you. Um, Or maybe you're ready to cross that line of faith. Give your life to Christ this morning. Accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can be made clean and pure, not because of your righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Christ. If you're ready to do that, we'd love to help you with that. Or maybe you just need prayers. Just circle up with somebody or come down and pray with me or one of our shepherds over whatever it is that's, that's kind of a burden in your life right now. We would love to help you with that as we respond standing and worshiping together.